0: From Red Hook in the heart of the Hudson Valley, this is Radio Rotary. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is Jonah Treeblosser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, sponsored by local Rotarians, your friends dedicated to service. Each week, we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world, people sharing ways to improve your life. And today, we are coming to you from the meeting of the Red Hook Rotary Club. And we're going to explore Tibet with Rotarian Gail Wolf right after these important messages. So stay tuned.
1: After thousands of years, after crippling millions of children, polio will soon be stopped forever. All over the world, people are joining the men and women of Rotary to end polio now. People like Jackie Chan and Jane Goodall.
2: We are this close. This close.
1: People like Archbishop Desmond Tutu. This close. People like you. Be a part of history. Help Rotary and Polio now at rotary.org slash polio.
0: We are this close. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Tree Blosser. I'm speaking to you from the meeting of the Red Hook Rotary Club at the Bread and Bottle Restaurant right in the heart of Red Hook on uh, South Broadway and East Market Street. And uh, my co-host, Miss Sarah O'Connell, is away this week. But I have a great Rotarian and a great world traveler, Gail Wolf, who's going to tell us about her adventures in Tibet and other places. Good morning, Gail. Welcome to Radio Rotary. Good
2: morning, Jonah. Thank you for having me.
0: Our pleasure. So tell us, what made you decide to go to Tibet? Uh,
2: other people and doing a medical service. Um, for years, my husband and I have been speaking about doing some kind of medical service somewhere where they need help so i met a woman a doctor from kingston she's a she's married to another doctor so they're a doctor couple doctors paul and holly lobet they're they work in kingston and margaretville um and in the course of the conversation holly said to me oh yeah well we went to tibet and did a medical mission and i immediately was like what tell me more about it and you know she showed me pictures we talked about it and i basically said to her listen we would love to go and um, that's how we ended up going, with another group of Kingston doctors. Um, so let me just give you a little backstory. There well, well, let me just yep. say
0: that your, your husband is Dr. Dean Block, who's also a okay. physician.
2: Right. So um, my husband is Dean Block. He's a physician. He has a big heart. And like I said, I'm I'm an esthetician. I'm not a doctor or nurse, but we've always talked about doing a medical mission. He always thought he was going to be doing it alone. And of course, I tagged along with um, myself and all of our kids. Um, And each and every one of us had a very important job to do while we were there. There's a great need in Tibet for medical care.
0: Now, they had a rather devastating earthquake in, in Tibet. Were you there before or after the earthquake?
2: After the earthquake. So there's actually, that's a very volatile, area there was um we were in tibet the tibet region of china um about uh four or five years ago there was a really bad earthquake near where we went called in yushu like 50,000 people died the entire city was gone very very tragic earthquake which you kind of only minorly file away in your memory bank until you get there and you go whoa i remember now this was a terrible earthquake so we were three hours from yushu the Nepal earthquake was in a different region of the town, but, or a different region of where we were, but um, it's a kind of rocky area where we are in terms of the seismic activity all the time there. What I
0: find fascinating is that you brought your kids along and you put them to work.
2: The kids were all expected to work. Um, I, had, I brought three of my kids, my 19-year-old, my 17-year-old, and my 14-year-old. My 14-year-old girl essentially ran the entire glasses station. We took thousands. Okay, maybe hundreds of pairs of glasses, a lot of glasses, um, all prescriptions, all different sizes, varieties, strengths of prescriptions and sunglasses. Um, they have a lot of eye damage from the sun because it's very high and bright there. So uh, my daughter, 14 year old, essentially gave out you know glasses all day. She, you would try on different pairs of glasses and have a handwritten thing in Tibet where they could you know, closer, further, bring it closer, bring it further, till eventually they got a pair of glasses that made their Vision better, and my 14-year-old daughter essentially ran that whole thing with a translator because there's such a language barrier. And my uh, my 17-year-old, he was pretty much the bouncer and the organizer, um, organizing the hundreds of people every single day, waiting in the courtyard. Um, So he really kept those people organized. They're not the Tibetans are not not natural organizers at all. They have a lot of um, they just don't know how to wait in line and follow the numbers, and they're switching numbers and they're getting in line, and then they're in the dentist line. So my son really organized that with the help of a translator. And then my 19-year-old, he and I split working in the dental clinic. It was very intense working in the dental clinic, basically just pulling teeth all day. So after the first couple of days, I said, oh, God, okay, let's bring you out to the medical clinic. And he was able to you know, help out in the medical clinic.
0: Now, Rotarian Gale Wolf, we're talking about your adventures in Tibet and a medical mission. What was the state of the medical arts before you got there? I mean, do they have physicians? Do they have modern hospitals? Or was it fairly primitive?
2: Um, it's pretty primitive. There is, and I'm making the air quote sign, there is a Tibetan hospital in the closest village where we were. Um, and then we had one of the care providers from the Tibetan hospital. But it's not a fully functioning modern hospital at all. Um, whatever small, you know, um, donations we had any medical supplies we did donate to them. We had their, we had one of their clinicians at our hospital. They just don't have access to the same kind of stuff that we do. They don't have a lot of antibiotics. I don't really know what they're doing at that hospital. It's a beautiful building, but from what the care provider that was with us, she she was learning a lot when she was with us.
0: No, I understand that you brought a lot of luggage, and it wasn't just for your changes of outfits. No,
2: um, we took we, before we went. The the care providers that went on the trip pulled out all stops and got a lot of donations of medical supplies from our friends, neighbors, families, church groups, etc. My family alone had fifteen fully packed military duffel bags. Filled with medical supplies. The other family that went had five, and then Beth had a couple. So we had a lot of luggage. My family had twenty pieces: fifteen from the medical mission, and five of our own pieces of luggage. So
0: you arrive in Tibet, um, and you know those of us who uh, uh, probably our only exposure to Tibet were things like uh, <laughs> movies like Lost Horizon, and they talk about the the high lama. Um, you got. Uh, to le- to learn from and to get uh, friendly with some of the uh, religious leaders there including one who was actually from the red Hook area tell us about that Gail wolf
2: ironically before we got into this mission there is a monastery here in Red Hook and it happened to be that it was it's Lama Lamatashi's monastery where we went I guess it makes sense because it's a small community here and but um so when we went to tibet he arranged for us to stay in his Monastery, You know, it's a group of an organization. We stayed in the nunnery that's affili- affiliated with his monastery. So, and also, Lama T took very good care of us when we were there. We were not on any kind of organized trip or plan. Lama T sort of had to arrange cars and drivers and friends who would be driving us around. And we stayed in a nunnery where it was... Real live nuns who we were living in their home. Basically, they had given up all of their sleeping arrangements, and they all, you know, squirreled away in a different part of the nunnery for us. But they basically gave us their the run of their nunnery. The first floor was the medical mission. The second floor is where they store all of the um, yak dung that they need to, you know, cook and heat the place. Um, and then the third floor was the kitchen and the sleeping area and another sanctuary up there. Um, there were 13 nuns at, at the nunnery.
0: So, what was your average day like uh, in the clinic? Uh, You've already told us that, you know, the uh, the dental uh, facilities were kind of primitive. No drills, just the old-fashioned pull them and fill them.
2: Right. Um, yeah, there was no filling. So, before the sun came up, you would start hearing motorcycles pulling into the courtyard of the nunnery. And you would get a, I would look out, and I'd be like, "There's an entire family of five on a small motorcycle out there." People really start coming in before you know. We started every morning, 9 a.m. We worked basically from 9 to 4:30. We did have a lunch break, um, but they, the Tibetans, the locals, start coming before the you know before the sun rises. There's a line of people out there at 8:45. There's you know 50 or 75 people out there. Um, So we had a medical clinic set up with three beds, and all of the supplies that we brought were in there. Um, And you could really only bring, you know, three people in at a time, although they're trying to bring in the family, the cousin, my mom, my this is from. um, We had an acupuncture clinic set up. She ran her own program and show, so I didn't have to do much for her. And we had a dental clinic. So basically, um, 37 teeth a day, the dentist, our dentist was a Israeli, guy, um, and he was very focused. There was no, very little electricity in the dental, anywhere in the nunnery, but, um, so no electric drills, no air devices to to dry or clean or whatever. What about, uh,
0: uh, you know, shots to numb the pain, was there any of that? Yeah. Novocaine?
2: Yeah, we had tons and tons of Novocaine, that was essentially my job, was to load up the syringes, and he did a great job of numbing you up. So, um, there's, there was, we had a generator to run the sterilizer, which was basically a rice maker. So, but the. the gener- wait, let wait. wait,
0: wait. Let's, let's not jump over that one. Your sterilizer doubled as a rice maker? Yep.
2: So we had a generator. So we did have a little bit of electricity. You do have to sterilize the tools. So you would start the generator every morning and it would run for a few minutes and then it would run out. And basically we sterilized all the tools in a rice maker, because that's what there was. And you just have a whole new concept of what, you know, somehow like all the, and it was kind of dusty and dirty there, but um, you have a whole new level of understanding what sanitation is. Like a piece of toilet paper or tissue over tools suddenly became a sterile field. So, you know, you have to do, it's very much make do with what you have, and it's a little MacGyvery for sure out there, (laughs) a lot of pulling together what you can.
0: And we're going to find out more about Rotarian Gail Wolf's adventures in Tibet and the terrific uh, medical clinic that she and her husband and other doctors uh, ran uh, in just a moment. But first, let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on the air and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at RadioRotary.org. My name is Jonah Treebois, and my co-host Sarah O'Connell is away this week. And we're coming to you today from the meeting of the Red Hook Rotary Club. Radio Rotary is sponsored by JGS, your essential partner for all of your accounting and business consulting needs. Call them at 845-692-9500. And by Salisbury Bank and Riverside Bank, your regional banks for all of your personal business and wealth management needs. Visit them at salisburybank.com. And by the Rotary Clubs of New City, New Paltz, Patterson, Philmont, Pleasant Valley, and Poughkeepsie Arlington. And we'll be back with more of Radio Rotary after these important messages. Salisbury Bank and Trust offers personal and business banking, residential mortgages, and commercial lending, trust and wealth management services.
1: With 13 locations throughout the tri-state region, in Dutchess and Orange Counties, the northwest corner of Connecticut, and southern Berkshire County, Massachusetts, and now including the Riverside Bank Division with offices in Poughkeepsie, Red Oaks Mill, Fishkill, and Newburgh, New York.
0: Salisbury Bank is your local personal bank in your community, making local decisions and delivering the high quality of customer service.
1: Salisbury Bank is your local bank for all of your personal, business, and wealth management needs. Check them out at salisburybank.com. That's salisburybank.com.
0: Salisbury Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Salisbury Bank. Enriching. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel. CPAPC is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm.
1: JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions.
0: The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Trebowasser coming to you from the Bread and Bottle Restaurant in the heart of Red Hook and the meeting of the Red Hook Rotary Club. And my very special guest is Rotarian Gail Wolf. She's telling us about the medical clinic that uh, she and her friends and her family ran in Tibet. And, you know, uh, Gail, uh, first of all, welcome back to our second half.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And if Sarah was here, she would ask you, how was the food over there?
2: The food was incredibly delicious. They got a lot. For us, they made sure there was a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. But, you know, we had yak and, you know, but um, definitely similar to Chinese food and delicious. And All, all right. The
0: does yak ch- taste like chicken?
2: It tastes like beef. It really <laughs> does taste just like beef. It was great.
0: So we, we, we talked a little bit about the dental clinic. We talked a little bit about the ophthalmology clinic that was uh, run by your 14-year-old daughter. Uh, let's talk about the medical issues, though. Were they were they serious? Were they routine? A mixture of both? What?
2: Um, there were a lot of, um, they have a lot of knee problems. These people live kind of a rough life. There's a lot of squatting, so they have a lot of wear and tear on the knees. We did a lot of knee injections to relieve pain. Um, they have a lot of Uh, lung issues and respiratory problems. They live in small environments, little huts and houses and tents, and they keep a fire going year-round because it's cold. They're burning usually yak dung for fuel, and you know, you inhale all that yak dung, eventually your lungs are going to go. So we gave out a lot of inhalers. Um, There's a lot of digestive problems because they have a very limited diet, and a lot of sort of a lot of problems with the tummy so we took a lot of you know all kinds of over-the-counter and pharmaceutical stuff for your tummy um, there were some stitches and some wounds and um, they also as you sort of talk to these people and get their medical history they have depression they have a very hard life They're you know when you just difficult family situations it's a hard life so there is depression there's anxiety.
0: Well, now your your husband Dean Block is a OBGYN man. Did he get to deliver any babies?
2: Uh, no, no babies. We didn't have <laughs> any babies although there were a lot of, there were pregnant women coming in, but he had, there was no need. There were no luckily no there no major medical problems with any of the pregnancies. You there was a very there was no way to follow up on any of these people and there isn't really a lot of decent medical care close that you can refer them to. There was a dentist in the town, I know that. But in terms of, you know, these people, they go out and have the baby at home, and fingers crossed. And a lot of sort of local midwives that do the deliveries and stuff. But um, a lot of tummy issues and knee issues and, and injections into the knees for, for pain relief. And they needed tons. These people need lots of pain relievers. They have all kinds of aches and pains. We gave away tons of aspirin, Advil, et cetera.
0: So um, how many people altogether did you treat in your clinic, and how long were you there?
2: We were in the clinic for one week. We saw patients for a week, almost close to 1,000 people.
0: Wow. That sounds like it was. A
2: A very busy day.
0: That sounds like it was nonstop. Uh, And I'm sure they appreciated uh, Rotary coming out and uh, other people, other humanitarians coming out to help them out.
2: I don't know how. I know that there's been medical this, this location where we went has had medical, they've run the medical clinic there in years previous. I also know that we're talking about doing another service next year um, to India where the same monastery has a clinic going but no one to run it or fund it. So probably going to go to India next year.
0: That sounds fabulous. But India and Tibet are the only places you traveled. You have a fascinating story of where you went after Tibet uh, to China. Tell us about that.
2: Oh, it's a long story. In 1933, my husband's father, his name is David Block, was a German Jew who was a Holocaust survivor. He was in Dachau in like 1933. Miraculously, got out of Dachau by the with the help of a, an American relative who sent him some money. This was 33, so he could he got out miraculously. In 1933, obviously, he saw this writing on the wall. He, like many other um, Jews at the time fled Europe. He saw the writing on the wall. He went to Shanghai, China. He went to, First he went to Venice, got on the boat, went to Shanghai, China. You didn't need a visa to go to Shanghai. Um, there were plenty of countries that were already turning away refugees from Europe. So Shanghai was open. He spent um, 33 to 49 in Shanghai where he eventually met his wife who was a Chinese woman. So he basically survived the war in Shanghai, while he was there, he didn't have to work. He lived on $10 a month, which was enough to afford him a houseboy, somebody to keep his house, clean his clothes. He didn't buy one new piece of clothing the entire time he was there, but he had a good life, even though at that time, what was happening in Shanghai, there was the Sino-Japanese War, and pretty much, you know, the Japanese were trying to kill the Chinese, but it was better than trying to be killed by the Germans. However, I will say that the Germans had their little tentacles all the way over to Shanghai, China, and were still trying to manipulate and control the Chinese um, on what to do with the Germans.
0: So, uh, you went uh, to China to help your husband find his roots, but your arrival wasn't unnoticed.
2: Um, We had been contacted before we went by two individuals. One is a filmmaker and one is the Shanghai Refugee Museum director. While my father-in-law David Block was in Shanghai, he had plenty of time to pursue his passion, which was art. He was a trained artist. He made hundreds of small woodcuts of his, pick, pick, you know, making to story telling the story of his time in China. Um, so we've got hundreds of these little woodcuts that the Shanghai Refugee Museum wants. Also, the filmmaker Shuibo Wang, who's a Academy Award nominated documentarian. Um, has been looking for a story to do. When he found David Block's story, he realized that that's his story. It's a fascinating story. Um, And so when we got off the plane in Shanghai, dirty, smelly from Tibet, um, there he was with a camera guy and a sound guy, where we basically spent the next five days working for Shuibo, making his documentary about who is David Block.
0: You were followed around by his camera crew the whole time?
2: Yes, it was very... We were very noticeable. It was... You know, we were basically my family of five, plus a, f- a film crew of five, because at any given moment, a producer would be with us, film, you know, t- camera guy, sound guy, shwebo, a producer, a second producer, a writer, a PA. We were... V- very noticeable. We constantly, They completely took care of us. We had a car that had the big CCTV. China, there's only one TV station in China. They run everything. So anywhere we went, people were looking to see who's getting out of the CCTV car.
0: You got the full star treatment.
2: Full star treatment, but also Shuibo took care of us like a local. Um, we didn't have to worry about one single thing. He took us out of he took us to meet Dean's family, which he had never met. Um, he you took mean, us- mean
0: like cousins, aunts.
2: Yeah, he, Dean met my husband met a cousin that he didn't know. He re- realized he probably had relatives, but you know, we met family that he's never met before. So Shuibo took very, very good care of us.
0: So as far as the Chinese, the Kardashians didn't make the grade. It was the blocks.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was. And let me tell you, anything you see on documentary TV or reality TV is staged. It's all <laughs> staged, and it's repeated. You know, you're going to do the scene a couple of times, and it's it's difficult to um, to have all these strong emotions when you're being scrutinized by cameras.
0: Gail Wolf, uh, you went from Tibet to China, and you're back here now in the United States. You're one of our really dedicated Rotarians. Tell the folks at home why it's great to be a Rotarian.
2: Um, It's great to be a Rotarian because, number one, you get to meet amazing people in your own community that you may have not otherwise been connected to. Um, And Rotary does amazing things locally and internationally. I personally am involved with the Youth Exchange. I like to help the kids, you know, have a life-altering experience.
0: And if you're interested in joining Rotary, uh, stop by the Red Hook Rotary Breakfast at the Bread and Bottle Restaurant on South Broadway and East Market Street, 730 on Tuesday mornings. And if you're not in the Red Hook area, go to Rotary.org, R-O-T-A-R-Y.org. Click on the Club Locator button, type in your home down, and join us for the fun, the food, the fellowship, and meet, get, get to meet great people like Gail Wolf. So, Gail. Uh, You're going to go to India next year. Uh, Do you have room in in your uh, luggage for a broadcaster?
2: (laughs) Sure. As long as you um, collect some supplies, you're welcome to come (laughs) with us.
0: (laughs) Gail Wolf, thank you for everything you do to spread the word of Rotary around the world. Thanks for that great uh, medical mission that you did in Tibet. And thank you for joining us today on Radio Rotary.
2: Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Our thanks also to the great Rotarians of the Red Hook Rotary Club for all of their hospitality, the staff here at the Bread and Bottle Restaurant, our engineer Jay Verzi for doing the technical production on this show. Our thanks also to our sponsors, JGS, your essential partner for all of your accounting and business consulting needs. Call them at 845-692-9500. And by Salisbury Bank and Trust, your local bank for all of your personal, business and wealth management needs. Visit them at salisburybank.com and visit them at any of their branches and ask for Dave Wright, a Red Hook Rotarian who's one of their bankers, hey Dave. Our thanks also to the Rotary Clubs of Red Hook! Rhinebeck, Southern Ulster, East, Wappingers, and Warwick Valley. For the entire Radio Rotary team, my co-host Sarah O'Connell, who will be back next week, our producer Kathy Kruger, and our engineer, the Wizard of the Buttons, Mr. Jay Verzi, this is Jonah Trebois. So thank you for tuning in and reminding you to join us again at this same time next week for another edition of Radio Rotary. And don't forget our website, RadioRotary.org.